Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thanks so much for making a commitment to learning and hope everybody is doing well. I am your host, Jordan Porter, joined with the divine darling dreamer, Yvonne Brandenburg. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't even know how to respond to that. I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> I do. I do sometimes find myself a little dreamy. I'm like, oh, what would happen if <laughs> you met this random crazy girl in Phoenix, Arizona, and was like, let's start a business together? <laughs> right. Oh my God. Seriously. Ugh, Lord. Good times. I can't believe. I can't believe how long ago that was. Now. I know, right? I mean, and we're still was, doing it. That was like a year and nine months ago. Holy crap. Okay, we can stop talking about it now. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, well, because like the pandemic was in there. So, so really it's been the last decade. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's how long it seems like this pandemic year has been. Ooh, dang. And like, we've actually been together in person twice. <laughs> yeah. In almost two years. Yeah. Well, and I think we could probably count how many hours because I was at your place for what, three days. So mm-hmm. 72 I probably saw you I'm gonna I'm gonna be generous here and say 10 hours in Phoenix so I don't even know but yeah that's generous I know I I think it's adding up all the time together we were maybe in the same room (laughs) yeah (laughs) so like okay let's be generous and say 12 say half a day so we're at uh 84 hours of our lives we've been in the same room together building I'm not even gonna say room building yeah. Which is less than the amount of time that we've been on Zoom together, for sure. Oh, <laughs> Considering yeah. what, this is episode 72. I can't believe it's episode 72. How crazy is that? Dude, tell me about it. What, we're almost to like 50,000 downloads or something like that now. I know. We're, if we're just not already shot. there. I know. I'm like, I'm going to look right now while we're talking because... Me too. Because we've been lurking. <laughs> well, because what, one year ago, almost exactly, yeah, we're... 80 downloads no 180 downloads short of 50,000 downloads so we're one week short but a year ago on like the 15th we just hit 5,000 downloads wow that's crazy yeah so almost a year later we're 45,000 downloads more than where we were (laughs) That's amazing. I I still can't believe you guys listen to us. <laughs> I like, think that all the time. Yeah. I'm like, why are you listening to me? <laughs> uh, that's do thank you guys so much, by the way. Like I just remember when we were super excited to get to like a thousand. <laughs> and now we're like, ooh, fifty thousand. It's it's kind of mind blowing, actually. Well, we kind of stopped keeping track there for a while because like it was just like our daily routine to or like our weekly routine of the podcast and yeah <sighs> yeah I got sidetracked with you know a lot of things including life um yeah and then yeah. I looked and I was like holy crap 
we're almost at 50, which is amazing. It's crazy. That's like how like money in a savings account works. Like you just don't look at it and then all of a sudden you have more. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know about my savings account, but my 401k. <laughs> yeah. My 401k looks great. My savings account is hurting for, from not working for several <sighs> weeks. So yeah, dude, times. I can't, I can't even imagine. Although I'm hoping, do you want to share what, what happened with you? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I'm not ashamed. I'm My just... husband works in a grocery store. Yeah. So, like... so poor Jordan, after <laughs> a year of like taking weeks and weeks off to not get it, to like got COVID. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. Um, <sighs> unfortunately, but it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not upset about it. Like I, we were safe. Um, and then obviously we took really good care to like quarantine in our house, but my husband works in a grocery store and like, there's that new variant where they say like, I guess now it can live on surfaces or something. So I'm actually oh. thoroughly surprised that between the kids and my husband working in a grocery store, cause like he never had time off. Like since COVID started, he didn't get time off. Dude, the grocery store thing kills me. I'm like, how are they not included in the first line workers? Because right? they see everyone when everybody touches everything and like picks up things and puts it back 17 times so again I'm just despite the fact that they do wear masks like at the grocery store like I'm not surprised and then like luckily like the timing of me finding out that he tested positive um it kind of took the burden off of me because like I had been at work, but not like a lot. Like, so I hadn't been at work at the time. Like I would have been contagious and I got tested right when my husband tested positive, he tested positive on a Friday. Um, and then I didn't actually start showing symptoms until like the following Monday, Tuesday, when I then tested positive, but I tested positive on the same Friday that he tested, or I tested the same Friday, he tested positive and I tested negative. Mm. And then I got sick for like a solid like eight days I think I was like down and out of like just it was like a low-grade fever body aches he lost his taste and smell I did not the kids never even batted an eye at any sort of (laughs) symptom (laughs) like they're like we're cool just laying on the couch playing video games for a week and Matt and I are like (laughs) we'll be in bed I think the hardest part for them was that like once Matt tested positive I secluded myself from him. So the kids and I were basically like living upstairs Mm. and Matt was living downstairs. And then like, it was one of those things where I was like, I don't want to chance it though. We're not going to do hugs and kisses right now. Like, so Matt and I would kind of say goodnight separately, but like from the bedroom doors. (laughs) So like, that was super hard for Connor. Who's like really attached to me. Yeah. Um, and then once I got sick, I was like, all right, well, cool. Now I can go sleep in my own bed, I guess, and take like shower in my own shower. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, well, I got it. <laughs> yeah, basically. So then Matt and I were just basically in our own bed and the kids like lived in the living room and like, <laughs> they were like, like video sweet. games. They're like, do you want us to do score today? I was like, can you just get on your live classes? And then like the rest, I don't care about like just. <laughs> but, oh my God. Yeah. So crazy. Good. Well, I'm glad that you were finally feeling somewhat better. Mm-hmm. Um, so Me that's too. Good. Considering all my like immune issues, I was definitely a little concerned, but. Um... Yeah, no, I know we've talked about it before. We were like, oh God, Jordan's going to die. She's going to mm-hmm. get the worst form possible. And you're like, I'm doing okay. I was like, okay, thank God. <laughs> it is not fair though, because like, so Matt, like he's 
he's not like a typical guy. He doesn't get like the man flu and complain. He's like a cat. If he says anything about feeling mm-hmm. crummy, like I'm worried about him. <laughs> like yeah. he's, he doesn't complain. And so when he actually did complain, I was like, I need you to go get tested for the sake of my work and blah, blah, blah. And so he's like, okay. And then he tested positive and he's like, I just feel like it's like a head cold, but then he lost his taste and his smell. And all he ever complained about was a head cold. Like he never had a fever or anything like that. And then like, I got like wicked body aches, like wicked body aches. Like I couldn't, it hurt to move. And like, I had a low grade fever and I had a cough, but I have asthma. So I'm not surprised I got, I got a cough. (laughs) That and it's uh, spring and so it's probably also allergies on top of everything else, which is super fun. Yeah. My car was like, when I, my poor car, it was like, do, do I even drive anymore? Like, cause like I, I hadn't <laughs> like driven it sitting for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And so when I went outside to like get in it, to go get my most recent COVID test, um, it was like yellow from pollen. <gasps> and I was like, <laughs> Dude, that's, that's what my I was car like, well, I felt like. good. <laughs> that's what my car looks like. Just like overnight parking at my house right now. Cause again, yeah, I'm in California. Everything is freaking blooming right now. And it's just like so much pollen. Although it's not as bad as your place. Cause you told me you yeah. have the yellow dust cloud that goes Yes, across. that'll be like, if it wasn't so like, it's just been raining a lot lately, which is helpful. Mm. But like once it dries out, like, and man, that wind just barely blows. You just yeah. see the, the curtains of yellow blow through like the oh, streets. So I'm God. just like all the pollen, which Pollen's good for things, just not for allergies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I got work done. I got show notes done and we got, we've made some progress on our race approval. So this, this episode is not yet race approved, but again, in the works, we did get a lot of that stuff um, worked on and completed while I was suffering with my contagious COVID. <laughs> and I know I wiped down my office. Not that I was like, I'm going to get it again, but I was like, don't touch anything. And Aww. like, Lysol wiped everything. I know it's office. so crazy. Cause I feel, I feel very, uh, very fortunate because I just got my second vaccine. Um, mm-hmm. cause again, California, um, we were included in, in that first line and I got my second vaccine last weekend. Um, and I was like, okay, I got it Friday. Cause I was like, I have the weekend off just in case I'm going to die. Like I've heard so many people talking about how horrible it is. Um, and I just got like, my arm was sore and I was sleepy tired. Like yeah. I passed out Saturday. Like I slept almost the whole day. Um, so I definitely got the, the, the least <laughs> amount of reaction. So I was, I was grateful for that, which is nice. I'm like, yay. Now I have the second vaccine. Um, because I've been exposed to it so many times. I, it's just like, I don't know. We've talked about it. I'm pretty sure I had it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Back, and I thought I did too. When. And, um, <laughs> I had been exposed several times too, but I guess there's definitely a difference between like my husband getting it and me kissing him. Yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah. Like yeah. Hopefully, I mean, honestly, like the masks have worked really well this year. None of the like nasty cold plagues have ripped through my clinic. Yeah. It's, yeah. We haven't amazing. had much of that either. And, yeah. and we're, we're pretty certain like Matt got it from work. He had a yeah. coworker that he had actually been working pretty closely with, um, who had tested positive like three or four days before Matt ended up feeling symptomatic. And then it was just one of those things where I was like, 
despite the fact that you guys had a mask on, like, I'm sure what they were doing was like pulling it down to take a drink of water and stuff like that. But they were in a room together for hours. Yeah. So I'm just like, and the poor, the poor woman too, like she texted me. She's like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's fine. Like it happens. Like I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) It is what it is. Unless you know that you're sick and you, you test positive, like. Yeah, like she had tested positive the day she started feeling sick, just like Matt did, just like I did. And like, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, unfortunately, you're most contagious right before you start showing symptoms. Right. You're like, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. But it's been a year. But now I'm free and I'm not out of my house. (laughs) And And hopefully neither one of us will get it again. Like, dude, fingers crossed because. I don't I don't think my immune system would be overly thrilled with me <laughs> seriously uh, so hopefully everybody else is uh at least taking care of themselves wearing masks being safe don't get it don't have issues with it uh, but yeah yay COVID yay COVID but I survived and I feel all right so that's good um, oh I played this fun game though this mm. It's fun because it was in my family. Um, but when Matt lost his, <laughs> when Matt lost his taste and his smell, um, and then I was actually allowed to be around him again, because then I started showing symptoms. I blindfolded him and then I made him try things in our fridge to see if he could tell what they were based off a of texture, since he couldn't taste anything. Mm. I had the best time um, because, like, I gave him vinegar and he's like, I mean, I can tell it's sour. And like, wow. it's like tart. And then like, I gave him, what all did I give him? I gave him some ridiculous stuff. Like the thing that did him in was Connor ended up giving him like steak sauce. And he was like, like, cause he could tell that if something was like sweet or tart, but uh. he couldn't tell like what it was. He legit thought I gave him dog food, like canned dog food at one point. Cause I like, I found this like rice pudding we had in our fridge from one of Bailey's friends. Ah, uh, so like, it was the texture thing, but. It was oh. the texture thing. He's like, it literally felt like that, like beef and barley, like oh, <laughs> stew. No. Like, <laughs> and I was oh. crying. I was laughing so hard. I'm pretty sure if you ever give me anything vinegary, what any kind of vinegar. And I don't immediately think it's horrible. I have COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I hate vinegar. I I just can't. Which is funny because I'm German, and so everything's yeah. pickled. Everything's pickled. Everything has vinegar in it, and I hate vinegar. Yeah, um, but see, it, well, I gave him. I think I gave him red wine vinegar because I gave him mm. pickle juice, and he uh-huh. didn't. He couldn't. He didn't know what that was. I gave him. Nope. Um. What else did I give him that was kind of vinegary? Oh, I gave him mustard and like, he couldn't tell what that was. Wow. Um, That's yeah. so crazy. It's so know, crazy was, to me. He's like, okay, well, when you lose your taste, we're, we're playing this again. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to lie and tell you I'm not, I haven't lost my taste, but I never actually ended up losing my taste, which was great. So crazy, crazy. but I had a lot of fun with it. It was, it was a good game. You know, got to keep yourself sane somehow, I guess, <laughs> by torturing your husband who got you sick. Right. So it's just fair. <laughs> there you go. Turnabout's for fair play. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Um, I just wanted to just, sorry, totally switching gears. Um, I just wanted to say uh, a quick thank you to um, a lot of our listeners who kind of reached out to me this week. Um, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I am. Yeah, I think you are. It's okay. 
we're here for you, Yvonne. So we did end up euthanizing my cat on Wednesday, um, which is, you know, it sucks every time, but you guys were amazing and reached out to me and I really appreciated that. So I just wanted to say thank you because you guys are part of the family almost right now, which is crazy. So anyways, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, and yes, it sucks, but I am doing okay. I promise. <laughs> um, my other cat is like letting me snuggle with him. So that works really well. <laughs> yeah. And you got to allow yourself some time to grieve. Yeah. I mean, you guys have heard like the, just the you know, saga of pumpkin, <laughs> the saga of Princess <laughs> pumpkin beetle and like everything she went through. And, you know, we had, we had tried a different chemo and that just, it just wiped her out and she just wasn't feeling well. And, and, you know, it's one of those things where I think I posted somewhere. I was like, knowledge is a double-edged sword for us because, you know, we know all the things you could try. And so, you know, we, we don't want to be the crazy owner, but we also don't want to give up too soon. So it's, it's hard because, you have too much knowledge sometimes to be, <laughs> to feel rational. Right. Uh, to be so, like a naive client. Who's yeah, like, just, like, oh, yeah, you just no. heavily rely on the word of your veterinary professional. Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, so, so like there's yeah. just one point in your life. You want someone else to tell you what to do. I yeah, get that. Exactly. Yeah. And it, you know, and so we, I definitely think we made the right choice. Um, just cause like, even looking back at other pictures, I was like, wow, she looks totally different. And you know, when you're in it, you don't totally you don't realize notice how is. bad it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And we'll, I think we'll definitely touch on this with like our mental health series because it is, I've, I, I have gone through it a couple of times now and it is very different for us compared mm-hmm. to the regular people. <laughs> Very you much know, so. like it's it's very different so I think it's definitely something we'll talk about during our mental health series just because you know we do deal with that process very differently I think than like our friends and family even um so but I just wanted to say thank you to everybody like um I got some cute messages from from Gemma and Matt and Liz and so I I really appreciated it um so. Yeah, we have some really great listeners. Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> and you guys are all part of our family now. So, ha ha, <laughs> can't get away from us. <laughs> Dude, just wait. So you're going to be even closer when we go through our mental health series. <laughs> oh, Lord. I know. I'm like, oh, all the beans are getting spilled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, It'll be all right, though. All right. So on, on that note, we're going we're gonna to dive into this episode. Uh-huh. I don't know if I want to say dive in. We're going to no, um, dive in, we're gonna dive in <laughs> and dive gonna... into the most disgusting thing we could possibly talk about right now. Yeah. Good old hemorrhagic gastroenteritis. The bloody Ugh. blowout. Or oh. I learned during my research that the name apparently was changed to acute hemorrhagic diarrhea syndrome. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a mouthful versus just saying HGE. Hemorrhagic diarrhea syndrome. So AHDS. I like HGE better. HGE just is easy to say. AHDS. I mean, I can't. Well, 
according well the the change makes sense it's because gastroenteritis makes you feel like the problem is within like the almost like the stomach small bowel versus the large bowel which hemorrhagic gastroenteritis actually does affect the large bowel not the small bowel mm. or the stomach um so that's why they changed it to acute hemorrhagic diarrhea syndrome which the only thing i don't get about that is how it doesn't really specify but i guess i know I why know. wouldn't you call it like acute hemorrhagic colitis syndrome then yeah that's what it should be is hemorrhagic colitis yeah i don't know about this changing the name i'm gonna ask For today's my episode doctor. i'm gonna still call it hge <laughs> right i know i'm gonna ask my doctor and be like do you know what h a see i can't even say a h d s is and she'll be like, oh yeah, it's acute hemorrhagic diarrhea syndrome. And I'll be like, dang it. Cause you know, <laughs> I can't pull anything over on her. <laughs> nope. So this is, I'm sure most of our listeners have seen this. I saw it more in GP though, than I definitely see in IM, I think. Um, I don't see it in IM, but I see like our emergency department definitely sees these. Yeah. And like we get them as ultrasounds. Yeah. Which- it's just to make sure nothing to rule out other stuff which we'll talk about we're gonna get there (laughs) um so this is like an acute onset of very bloody diarrhea often usually mostly accompanied by like an elevated pcv or hemoconcentration so that's Mm -hmm. where i mean it's it's almost standard they come in for bloody diarrhea but it's frank red blood and then they have on their lab work an elevated pcv of like 64 yeah (laughs) or 70 between like 55 and like 75 it's yeah i want to say i think the last one i saw was like 74 and which is which is crazy because you would think that with all that blood coming out that their pcb wouldn't be that high but it's it's because they're so dehydrated from all of it coming out that it makes them hemoconcentrate which is crazy yeah because it is still diarrhea. So there's still the fluid loss. It's a lot of mucus and, oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> so the we basics gotta get used of this. to talking about it. Come on. We got this. <laughs> let's talk about some bloody poop. Yeah, that's right. What's that one song? Like, let's talk about me and you, but then we can change the word. Let's talk about bloody poop. Oh my God. I just want you to know it's called, let's talk about sex, baby. I can't, <laughs> I can't even, I, you, you did not just go from that to HGE. I can't. Okay. Well let's, I, I, I've heard that song probably once in my life. <laughs> Shut up. You're such a baby. <laughs> For all those of you over the age of like 38, we all know I just this know, song. Like, <laughs> I just know the tone. Yeah. Well, you take one dirty song, you make another dirty song. Oh, but this is like, you just like, it's, it's a line you don't cross Jordan. <laughs> well, welcome to my brain. It's pretty messed up. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> anyway, this disease is not considered contagious. So I think that's a big stickler for clients to yeah. understand is that especially when it's like one Yorkie that comes in and then the parents are kind of freaking out and they're like, is my other Yorkie going to get it? And you're like, I mean, likely, but not because this one has it. Like, <laughs> well, and I think so many people just assume bloody diarrhea equals parvo, right? And so everybody just sure. assumes that's what it is. And you're like, nope, it's, yep. it's just, I mean, 
it's quote unquote just HGE instead yeah, of horrible right? diarrhea, like parvo diarrhea. So, yeah. So, pathogenesis and etiology is pretty unclear with this disease. I think a lot of veterinary professionals would like to guess maybe that it's stress related. Yeah. Um, just because of the breeds that are overrepresented in this and you know who I mean veterinary professionals themselves are very stressed and probably understand the GI upset Mm. um but typically what happens is there's like there's hemorrhage and necrosis within the intestinal mucosa um it's acute so that means it happens very rapidly and then they can form like a neutrophilic inflammation um, which that wouldn't get diagnosed unless you did a biopsy, but sometimes people do want to go that far. Um, but the main thing is that like bleeding and necrosis that happens on, on. Well, and this is like, so, right. This is what clients (laughs) tell you there's bloody chunks coming out and like flesh and, and they're, Oh, and they're sometimes right. Sometimes the way they describe it is fun. They're like, it's bloody, like there's bits of meat in there. And you're like, got it. Okay. Like, ooh, ooh. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. the most severe lesions I kind of already mentioned usually occur in the large intestines, which is why mm-hmm. we see red blood versus melana, mm-hmm. as we discussed in several past episodes. <laughs> um, melana versus Frank red blood. And then these mucosal lesions are not identified in the stomach, um, which is why, like I said, that name change is gastroenteritis just makes you feel like it's a stomach small bowel issue. Hmm. And it's not because this, this does take place in the large intestines. Um, what so happens are they saying like, so when, uh, sorry, just, just kind of, <laughs> I want to make sure. So acute hemorrhagic diarrhea syndrome Right. Mm-hmm. So what, so if they're having bloody vomit, then it's not this, it's not considered HGE. It's like considered just like hemorrhagic gastritis. Yeah. So it's almost like hemorrhagic gastritis and acute hemorrhagic diarrhea syndrome. So is yes. that what they're saying? They're like breaking them up into two now? Basically. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Because yeah, if you think about it, like a dog vomiting blood would be more of a hemorrhagic gastroenteritis. Right. Interesting. I mean, most of the times do... the ones I see are just diarrhea. But yeah, I don't think there I've ever are seen... some that have also had some bloody vomit. But but, but I think yeah, that most of the times it's just. I wonder if those are the cases though that are related to a secondary cause. Oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. So then it wouldn't sense. really be technically HGE. That'd just be a symptom. Hmm. Interesting. Or a side effect of said primary condition. Yeah. But I, I do mean, still think that I'm, I'm the colonic. that they're like breaking it down because the more we understand about the disease process, the more we know that, you know, it's not yeah. just because it was all lumped together before doesn't mean that it still necessarily is. Yeah, exactly. So due to this necrosis and just the disease nature within the large bowel, obviously we're going to have an increase in intestinal permeability, Mm. um, which means that the the bowels are going to be a little bit leaky, a little bit. It can be severe. Um, So there can be a leakage of fluid, plasma proteins, and red blood cells. And usually that occurs like it's a leakage like within to the intestinal lumen versus like you would think that with the permeability I don't know. My brain wants to think that it leaks out 
but it leaks in. And that's why you get such a severe dehydration. Girl, that is leaking out. Okay. You're right. But out of the body. (laughs) Yes. But when you think of things like, um, PLE and it leaks into the body, I guess. (laughs) Oh, I see. Yeah. That that's into the body. Yeah. So when I'm thinking permeability, it's leaking out of the intestines into the body, but this is the opposite and it leaks from the body into the intestines out in the intestines out into the out in the intestines into the lumen (laughs) (laughs) yes well it's interesting because um you can you can get like a secondary like infection from it oh for sure because you know there is that increased permeability so sometimes if they aren't treated quickly right because it's acute if they're not treated quickly they can get like a secondary um like bacterial infection in their bloodstream not super common but it it can happen um but most of the times it's it's everything's leaking out and that's why they feel so horrible yeah right they're hemoconcentrating because everything's being lost into their bowels and it's like ugh. mm-hmm not because fun. you you gotta you gotta remember though too that the large bowels purpose is to pull fluid out and into the body Mm -hmm. um out of the stool and and like i said it's wonky it's backwards (laughs) it's lost its good feedback polarity (laughs) (laughs) um so there has been some studies that can indicate that clostridium can actually Mm. um like a clostridium infection can lead to hge um it's been it's, identified in like bacterial cultures or small intestinal biopsies with dogs, um, suggesting that there just could be like an overgrowth of this clostridium. Clostridium's like, I don't know. How did, okay, I'm just gonna say it because my doctors are kind of like, nah, it's clostridium. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, well, mm, with stress, yes, it overgrows, but sometimes, I don't know, a lot of times they're just like, they're not. Because it's a normal. Yeah. Because you got to think it's like a normal. Think of it like Demodex. I know? was just thinking that it's the same thing. <laughs> Where it's like yeah. it's normal to until it's not normal. <laughs> until it causes problems. <laughs> until it causes things like hair loss or HGE, <laughs> and yeah. then you have to take care of the problem. Yeah. So it's yeah, like, I think. Again, oh, it's that. It's our favorite word. Homeostasis. <laughs> God, I love homeostasis. Man, we're such nerds. Yeah, yeah, we are. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think we're the only ones. Just saying, you know who you are. No, because we clearly have almost 50,000 downloads. (laughs) So there's some other nerds. True. I love it too because Liz tried to call me out on being a nerd and I was like, dude, until I die, I will be a nerd. <laughs> I know. Oh, she did was, you see our badge that's shiny that says nerd? <laughs> yeah. She was all like, takes one to know one. And I was like, again, like not offended by this statement. <laughs> no, not whatsoever. Liz and I are on the same page of nerdism. <laughs> I don't know, dude. She's she she sometimes goes up a couple of notches. I don't know though. I'm, I like, I'm one of those like discreet nerds where like, I like That's Star Wars. I'm so like saying you're discreet about it. She's not yes. discreet about it. No, but like Which her love for baby Yoda is like, that's how I feel uh, internally. First of all, it's Grogu. I haven't finished the season. Ugh. 
the season there's more than one season i haven't finished the most recent because you know what happens is like my mom uses this and my mom (laughs) uses my disney plus account so like i was watching it i was like three episodes into the newest season and then like i went to go watch it again and And it was on on like season eight (laughs) yeah i was like yeah i was like what the hell and so then I like freaked out. I was like, all right, I'll let you finish the season first and I'll go back and watch. But I should have done that when I had COVID. Um, but I didn't. But I no, mean, her love. Can. It's, I, it's a weekend. You can still do it. <laughs> yeah. But then my friend got me hooked on this other show and I'm I obsessed. I told you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Liz's love for Star Wars stuff just oh, radiates cool. with me. Yeah. So her I am love. I just don't have, I mean, I do love emergency medicine. I just don't have enough experience to love it as much as she does. Mm. I know she has two VTSs. So she's insanely smart and nerdy and I just, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, just saying hi, because you probably (laughs) enjoyed this little bit of a love fest that we just threw in the middle of our episode. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. So history questions um, and how it might present. So typically this affects younger small breed toy dogs. Um, younger meaning like a rough average age of five years of old age. Um, <laughs> the breeds. <laughs> I'm not surprised by Minden, any of them. Mini schnauzers, mini poodles, and Maltese. The little guys, which is crazy because I've definitely seen bigger dogs with it. Yeah. And it's it's worse when it's a bigger dog. Oh, it sucks. I feel like they just lose that fluid so so much much faster. Yeah. So much diarrhea. Yeah. I mean, it just says the small breed ones are over, over overrepresented. Yeah. Um, And I think that's why so many, you know, veterinary professionals, we think that it's associated with stress just because these little guys do tend to get more stressed and, you know, freaked out about things and so i think that's part of the reason why you know the thought is that it was stress related which you know again clostridium stress that that whole thing i think it could be um so common other symptoms that can present with these patients are things like vomiting anorexia lethargy abdominal pain those are all very common i think all the GI things, it hurts. Like if yeah. you got to think if their large intestines is necrosing, <laughs> that they probably don't really want anything going through that. Now, vomiting can and may precede the onset of like the bloody diarrhea, um, just because they're going to get that GI upset first. And then the colon just goes haywire yeah. and gets stressed and over, over affected. And then of course the stool, if you haven't seen it before, <laughs> I love that you just put this here because we just talked about what it looked like. I know. But here's another, here's another visual for y'all. Well, okay. I would take my strawberry jam over your like chunky tissuey okay, blood but pile. Stra- strawberry jam is like a happy idea. I do love me some strawberry jam. I, yeah, but I don't want to associate that <laughs> with bloody blowout. What don't I like? Maybe raspberry jam? It's a little darker. I like strawberry better. No. All right, you guys tell us raspberry or strawberry. We'll we'll have like a contest to see who wins. I'll I'll make an Instagram (laughs) poll. Oh my God. (laughs) That's what we're going to make a poll about. Oh my God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then of course, like we've already talked about, there can be severe fluid loss, which then in turn can result to hypovolemic shock. 
especially before this can occur even before clinically re recognizable dehydration, which is scary because yeah. it's so acute. It's so rapid where all of a sudden one day they're fine. And the next day they are in shock. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Or, or you have people who like me, I'm not judging because I would 100% like my, the first day my dog has bloody diarrhea, I'd be like, maybe let's wait and see till the next day. And then like, and then it's all bad. And then it's all bad. Yeah. Don't do that. Gets, don't be, gets much worse. Don't be like Jordan. I mean, I get, I, I think I totally would do it too. Like if it was just like one bout and they seemed yeah. fine, I'd be like, all right, let's see if it gets worse. Um, but then, you know, if it keeps happening, I definitely would. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I might have some metronidazole in my house. So <laughs> there may be <laughs> Every, some of that first. <laughs> most veterinary professionals have their like what if box at yeah, home for their I, pets. I a thousand percent have it. It's also I still have my, like um apocalypse box. So it mm -hmm. has like random stuff in there just in case. Oh yeah. I have bandage yeah. material, yeah. I have suture scissors, hey. I have staple gun. Oh, I don't um, have one of those, but I have a staple gun. I have some fluids. I have like syringes and and IV catheter like I have stuff just in case I also had a dog that had an anaphylactic reaction at home several times so I did have stuff at the house for her um I mean granted some of it's expired now and I do need to go through that but I have <laughs> stuff I was like all right if we're gonna be out in the wild we're not dude bandage die. material is like my go-to I I very frequently will bandage my own children with like vet wrap and stuff because we don't have band-aids at home. <laughs> I have vet oh wrap. Oh my God. You're like, what are band-aids? I just have vet wrap. I'm dead serious. Like I have a picture of Bailey. Like she, she cut her hand on some glass when she was like three and I took her to the ER, mind you, but human ERs, those people put, it was on the palm of her hand. Those people put up, they tissue glued it on the palm of her hand oh. but like they did it in like like a bubble like they didn't tissue glue just like the edges together oh weird it was like a bubble of glue and then they put a band-aid on it on her palm you're of a like, three-year-old you're like this is gonna stay on <laughs> exactly it was off by the time we got home tissue glue fell off the next day like the next morning uh. because it was just like a bubble and not like so needless to say i bandaged her hand twice a day for like 10 days i i ended up like taking her back to the pediatrician and was like tissue glue fell off do you think it needs sutures like because like the er doctor was like she's three it's gonna be a big pain in the butt for us to hold her down and like suture her versus just like yeah gluing it and i was like i get that but her fat and her hand is sticking out oh <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, yes, no, I bandage my kids frequently with veterinary supplies. I mean, my husband and I have been known to have some vet wrap on us occasionally. Yeah. I have, it was funny, like Bailey, she does gymnastics and she got a rip on her hand. Um, and she's like, mom, where's that stuff that you use to bandage me? And I was like, I know you're not talking about a band-aid. I was like the white stuff. Cause right now the vet wrap I have is white. And she's oh, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so she got that out and she bandaged her own hand from a rip and I was like <laughs> you're like okay. <laughs> teaching them young that's right next thing I know she's like putting honey on it and stuff and I'm like, oh my god <laughs> that would be so funny she's like I got it <laughs> yeah I'm sorry this episode is very random and I'm so tired I mean we're talking about bloody poop we gotta like throw some not so horrific things in here this is true 
All right. So oh. our different, our differential diagnosis list, Ugh. I put several things on here just because it's because it's GI. It's true. I mean, these are the things we're going to look for. So things on our list should be like bacterial and viral infections. So things like parvovirus, like Yvonne mentioned, um, coronavirus, uh, not COVID-19. Um, and then parasites too, of course. So things like whipworms and gastroenteritis can definitely cause some of these issues, especially whipworms. Whipworms really do have like a mimic for yeah, HGE. And, and Giardia, I think too. Like mm-hmm. that's another one that we just have, like we just do our GI panel, um, the PCR and the flu yeah. just to make sure. Plus I, uh, does the PCR have parvo on it too? I don't think so. No, I think we just do the snap and how we usually do a yeah. snap and house first. Um, because yeah, you got to know if you got to like seclude this patient. Right. <laughs> Versus you're taking it all over the hospital for its tests. Yeah. And then of course we have systemic desert disturbances and my favorite one, and that I'm probably going to mention the next several episodes because it mimics <laughs> right. everything right. is going to be Addison's disease. <laughs> or the great pretender known as hypoadrenocorticism. <laughs> yep. And we have an episode um, on that. So definitely take a yeah. listen. And then of course, my other favorite, <laughs> coagulopathies. So things like rodenticide toxicity, mm. um, thrombocytopenia, thrombocytopathia. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> those are my two favorite. And then we of course have severe GI ulceration because that can occur in the small bowel or the large bowel. So again, take a listen to, I believe, episode 69, where we discussed how to determine what color the stool is and where we yeah. should be looking. Well, and I remember GI ulceration can be caused by all sorts of things, including drugs, toxins, scraping. Um, you know, so, so yeah, there could be, it's a fun history to take on these, on these patients. It is neoplasia because neoplasia can do whatever it wants. Like we always say. And then of course, like GI perforation or GI foreign body, mm-hmm. um, that can definitely cause similar symptoms of not wanting to eat, vomiting and bloody stool. I would also, I mean, I would also throw dietary indiscretion in here. Oh yeah. It's not dietary indiscretion. I don't, I don't think that's really a true like diagnosis, diagnosis, but we can, we can definitely, we definitely should be looking for that yeah that's to make sure yeah, you yeah. know especially if you because we de- deal internal medicine right especially those patients that have like a um, food sensitivity and they like are at a friend's house and get like a cookie that they normally shouldn't get you know so i think making sure that we know it, especially for those guys that that hasn't occurred as well um because that can that can definitely cause some major blowout on some of these patients pun intended no, no, this, yeah, <laughs> uh, all of it. All right. So our diagnostics here, obviously we're going to run the majority of what we talk about <laughs> all the time, all the time. <laughs> so our CBC, we already kind of said that we were going to have some hemo concentration. So that's indicated by PCV greater than 60%. Depends on what book you read. Some veterinarians might 
think that a hemoconcentration would be greater than like 55, 56%, and that's fine. Um, in a normal to slightly decreased like plasma protein. So that TP that we're looking for when we run our PCVs or total solids, because like I said earlier, we have that permeability. So that protein is being lost into the lumen of the bowels. And then we can have that neutrophilic leukocytosis. And then of course, if it's severe enough, because this definitely can happen, if you note neutropenia on your CBC, so low white blood cells, sepsis or parvo could be a concern. Yeah. It's a bummer. Especially, especially the little, little guys, right? Like Oof. it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot to overwhelm their system sometimes. So, you know, definitely making sure they've got their white blood cells and they get hydrated and yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> And you, and, and sometimes the CBCs, you know, isn't just like a one and done kind of thing, right? Like the first day they're hospitalized, we check it. And maybe the second day we check to make sure things haven't majorly changed, especially like becoming neutropenic Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, it could be that they used all of theirs the first day and now they're like, well, I don't have the white blood cells present in my bone marrow so now now it's a problem so it's yeah you know keeping an eye on them and seeing what how they're doing so yeah and our serum biochemistry a lot of times this can be unremarkable but sometimes it can definitely still show that uh mild like panhypoproteinemia um definitely can show hypoglycemia especially in our smaller patients or in our septic patients Uh because of course if they're um showing signs of sepsis, there's going to be that incre- that decrease intake, um, with those, the hepatic glycogen stores. So, well, and, and remember bacteria need a food source. So that's, that's where that hypoglycemia comes from is the bacteria is eating and thriving on that sugar source in the blood. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a couple of things that are happening, but, um, it definitely can be bad. Um, and then of course, we're definitely going to have some electrolyte <laughs> abnormalities, just, um, be, just because this is going to be really consistent with our GI loss. Um, so things like hypokalemia, hyponatremia, or hypochloremia. So just low electrolyte levels across the board, usually. And it, and our electrolytes are super important to look at because it should be low for all of those. If you start seeing funky electrolytes, right? Then you're going to go, hmm, could this be Addison's? Yeah. Right? Do I need to chase the endocrine <laughs> disease instead? Right. <laughs> of course, because I love to talk about it. And I already said a coagulopathy could be on the differential list. We are going to look at our bleeding time. So a PT and an APTT or a vasco electrogram. Is that what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're like, I'm going to go for it. Vis- I'm going to go for it. Visco elastogram. So oh, I like swapped my sounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so VCM. Um, yeah. Because that's going to look for how quickly does it clot and how long does it take for the clot to break down. So yeah. yeah. A so a lot of times if we are dealing with like a true like HGE patient, mm-hmm. they're going to have normal clotting times. However, there have been some reports of like, um, like long clotting time. So we're getting those elevated numbers and they, it's thought that that could be due to the inflammation or interference of the hemoconcentration. So it's one of those things to keep an eye on. Like, yeah, yeah, especially if you have like a hematocrit of 72 and then you have a prolonged PT of say like 27 or where you're like, 
yeah, that's high, but that's not like bleeding like crazy high. Yeah. And um, part of that is because when you've got sludgy blood like that, it's not flowing through the veins the way it should be. So yeah. it's very so much clotting factors. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it takes they can't get to where they, it. yeah. Yeah. They can't get to where they need to go in a timely manner. Like they should. Um, it's, it's like a traffic jam. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, exactly. <laughs> um, of course, if we're going to have like moderately or marked prolonged uh, clotting times, we should definitely be investigating for things like DIC or disseminated intravascular coagulation, which I can't wait to talk about because it's on our list in like several weeks, but yeah. Wow. I mean, I guess Uh, we've touched on it, but we haven't talked about it. We've touched on it, but we haven't actually had like a full episode dedicated to that yet. And I'm excited for it. I'm excited. You all (laughs) just wait. You want to hear me excited? Talk about DIC, even though in vet tech school, I learned that it was like death and or dead and cooler or something (laughs) oh mine is mine was death and cage dead and cage yeah i think it was dead and cooler because it was basically already like a or death is coming that's the other one yeah i like that one better like at least there's somewhat of a chance but (laughs) 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 oh i hate when they go into like dic or sirs it's just yeah it's the worst but i love like i love learning about it because it's so like complicated like it's not Oh, I love it. Anyway, um, radiographs and or ultrasound, they should just be, they can definitely be normal, but some abnormalities that might be found um, would include things like ileus, because of course, like our fluid fill loops of bowel are going to be angry and not want to move like it should. You're not going to see that on a radiograph, so you're going to see that more on ultrasound. Radiographs are likely going to be normal, but sometimes you can see some distension and fluid fill bowels. Yeah, we get the ultrasounds and we're like, Yep, gastroenteritis. Yeah. And we Next. just kind of stare and we're like, that's what you got from your ultrasound. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things like, do you do an ultrasound to make sure something else isn't going on? I don't know. Yeah. I think it depends on the client. I think. I think it depends on the age too. Like, if there's a chance yeah. for a foreign body, do the ultrasound. Like if it's a young patient, if there's, if it's an old patient and there's a chance for neoplasia, do the I mean, ultrasound. I, I, yeah. And it also, I, uh, is it the first thing I jump to? No. no. Like if you think it's HGE, like get them stable, see if, yeah. you know, medications and then they feel better. And then if they're not feeling better, or there's still stuff going on, you know, then I maybe say, okay, really, we should do an ultrasound or x-rays to see if there's anything else going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely don't think that would be like an emergency ultrasound. No. Like, please stabilize the patient first. <laughs> yeah, because the patient itself is an emergency situation, but yeah. not necessarily like imaging and stuff. But yeah. however, it is said in emergency medicine that like, treat the patient don't treat or like diagnostics aren't always needed right off the bat yes because i've seen this with some doctors um they they want to run every single diagnostic known to man first and it's like no (laughs) please stabilize your patient unless unless it's one of those things where the owner says if there's cancer, I'm stopping. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I also get too, because like, I feel like sometimes obviously with certain things that if you just try to treat, like you could mask the actual problem. Yeah. 
but well but with ultrasound if you're gonna treat you're not really gonna mask a problem no not with ultrasound but i'm just saying like like lab work and stuff like that yes i think that you get the point of time kind of thing for sure like sometimes i just draw the blood and then i'm like okay if we're not we're not gonna run it right now but before i give like a bolus of dextrose (laughs) yeah for sure well then like i'm gonna get blood first you know like so i think just or pull blood off the antibiotics, you know, yeah. like, so I think, I think there is that, but I do think that there are some, not, not everyone does this, but I think there are some doctors <clears throat> that just run all the tests because mm-hmm. all the tests can be done. And yeah, like, for sure. Especially in an emergency really situation, because you're like, we got to figure out what's going on. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of those like fine lines, but anyway. Yeah treatment so obviously for these patients especially like the more shocky that they appear our main like primary treatment plan should be iv fluid therapy because again they're likely going to be extremely dehydrated and iv fluid therapy should be adjusted based off the hematocrit progress so this is something Mm -hmm. that you're not just going to check the hematocrit once and call it good for 24 hours you're going to continuously check the hematocrit throughout the day and make sure that the fluids you're not, you don't want to do fluid overload because some of these patients yeah. can rehydrate pretty rapidly or overhydrate, um, especially if you do have to hold off on some other diagnostics and we don't know necessarily the extent of what else is going on with the pet. Um, yeah. And you're also, you're going to be looking for like heart rate and mm-hmm. mentation and all these things that can help indicate, oh yeah, they're feeling better or like a blood pressure, you mm-hmm. know? So I think I think this is like one of those good ones where technicians really get to use all of their, you know, skills for these. Yeah, definitely. This is a good, like, as as much as it's not fun to deal with the diarrhea, um, it is one of those cases where there's a, a lot of intensive teching that goes on. Mm-hmm. And so between like monitoring for murmurs and stuff, like it also gives technicians the ability to like calculate fluid rates and just you know, communicate with the doctor. Like, yes, we're starting at this fluid rate for right now, because also too, our fluid rate is going to be based off of patient perfusion, um, that degree of dehydration, which is definitely a huge tech, a basic tech skill. And then like, of course, ongoing losses as well. So ongoing losses are going to play a part too. This is where our technician skills of just monitoring what's going out is very important. Um, also, our patients who are extremely hypoproteinemic um, or shocky, they can definitely benefit from some colloid therapy. And this can be things mm-hmm. like vet starch or even stored or fresh frozen plasma. Yeah. And if you're, if you don't have coagulopathy and you just need colloids, this is where like um, just frozen plasma, so not the fresh one is a great one for it. And remember the difference between fresh frozen plasma and just regular plasma or well, and not fresh frozen is a year from collection. Um, after a year, it's no longer considered fresh frozen because the, um, the clotting factors are gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the protein's still there, which is why it's good for like these patients who are hypoproteinemic. Um, also too, I know this is huge and I am like, we are constantly checking serum potassium levels. Um, just because, especially when you are trying to like quickly and appropriately fluid load some of these patients, you really want to keep an eye on that potassium level because you can drop it. 
um, as well. So just really trying to, to maintain fluids with supplemented potassium chloride um, just to help prevent the development of hypokalemia is super important too. And then of course, too, yeah. like we've already said, some of these patients can become hypoglycemic as well. And so they can require dextrose um, added to their fluid therapy as well, usually two and a half to 5%. Do you um, kind of to go back on potassium or KCL is what I like to call it. Um, do you guys do the K-Max thing? We do. Um, typically with like a lot of times when we have to do it, it's usually like a renal failure cat. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I've done it on a few dogs. Uh, I don't remember why, but K-Max can be scary, but yeah. So this is like, it, it, when they first kind of, cause I always learned like you don't really go above 40 milliequivalents per liter, but yeah. K-Max is a much higher concentration. The, the thing about that is it's, it's the safest high dose, I guess you could say yeah. potassium chloride. Um, <clears throat> because you don't want to give it much higher because it can cause cardiac arrhythmias. Right. Mm -hmm. That's another one of those good, like skills that you can use as a technician. If you are told to watch or monitor these patients or even set up a dose of K-Max, like you really want to make sure you have your math down right. And like yeah. have it double checked. I double check my doctor's math. And then like him and I will kind of do that math together to come up with the dilution of our K-Max infusion. And then of course we monitor the IV catheter during, um, administration. We monitor yeah. the patient and their heart rate and check for any arrhythmias during, the K-Max infusion. And then we'll typically check our potassium levels right after the K-Max is finished to see where, where we kind of ended up. Yeah. And that's a really important thing to remember, right? This, if you're using K-Max, um, it's for a limited period of time. Like yeah. It's like five hours. Yeah. These patients on, on it forever. Um, and they should not be left alone on it. Yeah. No overnight please, uh, by themselves. Um, and so it's just, you know, potassium chloride, that's definitely, um, a skill that as technicians, it's good to know how to do and how to calculate. Um, it's important to, to ask your doctors, ask them if you're adding to 20 to 40 or are you QSing? And the, the big difference on that is like, are you just straight up adding 20 milliequivalents, which would be, you know, a total of more than 20. Um, because yeah. most because fluid bags have... have potassium chloride in it. If you're QSing, that means you need to end up with 20. So just most of you guys already know this, but just remember. We've talked about it a few ask, times. <laughs> yeah. Ask your doctor, am I adding or am I QSing? Because those are very different um, math equations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, sometimes for these patients, antibiotics may be needed. And of course, obviously when we're talking about antibiotics, especially because of the potential for clostridium overgrowth, we might need antibiotics that are effective against that. So that would be things like ampicillin or even metronidazole. Now, mind you, most of the time when our patients come in with any sort of diarrhea, they're on some sort of IV metronidazole. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but it, it is technically uncertain if it's needed in, in all cases. Like a lot of times in some of these cases, you just need fluid therapy. It's crazy, crazy. To right. Me. Because technically the diarrhea is being caused by the fluid loss and not by like, so crazy. Right. 
Um, also with our patients that might have neutropenia or sepsis, uh, another antibiotic like enrofloxacin can be used. Um, same thing, and enrofloxacin should be monitored carefully as well. Um, during administration, should always be diluted. I'm a big stickler on diluting enro. And then of course we want to do like our just additional supportive care, make these patients comfortable. They're going to have some stomach pain. They're going to have some nausea. So we want to do like anti-emetic therapy. Um, we want to do some dietary management too, because as we all know, as we all should know, nutrition is super important for recovery. Mm -hmm. And so the sooner we can get these patients eating and just get their guts moving in a healthy manner, the sooner these patients can get back to normal and out of the hospital. Yeah. And I don't think, um, my doctor's, I don't think they really recommend the whole like fasting thing mm -mm. Um, because again, we don't want the guts to starve. Um, no, not especially when they're like pulling so too. much in anyway, mm -hmm. like from the body itself. Yeah. Like they're, they're starving for something anyway, usually in these cases. Yeah, definitely. So client communication, yeah. um, obviously obtaining a thorough history just to look for any, um, possible like external stresses that may have caused us change to diet, dietary indiscretions, like Yvonne said earlier today, um, any chance of possible toxin exposure, such as rat bait. Mm. Obviously I like to ask about heartworm flea prevention just because of that potential for some sort of, um, yeah, parasite, parasite, intestinal yeah. parasite. However, a lot of the times anyway, we'll just do a broad spectrum dewormer in these cases, just to cover all grounds, even if they are consistently on heartworm prevention. Mm. Um, and then of course, like long-term GI diet therapy might be recommended. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say we do like, um, bland diets a lot of times, just, yeah. especially for I mean, the first three to five days, just to yeah. Cause a lot of these patients are just susceptible to GI stuff. So why not just try to keep their guts healthy, yeah. healthy and happy with like a nice, easy to digest right. diet. Well, and it depends too, like if they have a history of it, right. Or is this yeah. like a one-time thing? Like those are yeah, uh, yeah. If conversations this, with the if this was a foreign body or we got in the trash and there was some dietary indiscretion. Okay. Well then we might not change your diet other than don't right. let your dog get in the like trash the and eat pizza. Week, right. um, <laughs> but other than that, like long-term like medication therapy is not likely to be needed depending on the cause. But if we are just dealing with like an True overgrowth HGV. of clostridium. Yeah. No. Um, obviously all potential outcomes should be discussed with clients. Now, a lot of times this is going to be a conversation with the doctor too. Um, well, this should be a conversation with a doctor because there can be serious complications. Mm. So things like severe hypoproteinemia, DIC can occur, sepsis can occur, hypovolemic shock, death can occur in these patients. Doctors wow. should make clients aware that we are not managing just a normal diarrhea case. See, these patients can go downhill. And if clients aren't willing to make that quick decision of like, okay, well, yeah, you know what? A protein or a plasma infusion might be really good and help this patient get that protein level back up um, and treating with like some of those more expensive antibiotics if we need to, or just severe IV fluid therapy. These are not just cut and dry, like cheap, quote unquote, cheap cases all the time. Right. Um, <laughs> they definitely can be, it can I be just, you know, 24 to 48 hours of IV fluid therapy and symmetronidazole and they go home just fine. But but these are also, I mean, these are usually not the outpatient cases because no, of how not. severe everything is. 
Um, and so that's, that's another thing to really talk to clients about is that if they're truly that dehydrated, sub-Q fluids are not going to work for them. They, it, they're just not going to absorb it properly and they're going to keep having diarrhea. So we're not going to be able to keep up with the, the, the fluid loss. So I think that's something too, to just be like, look, I understand this isn't ideal. Nobody really wants to hospitalize their pet, but you know, hospitalization is going to be the best way to do it versus outpatient care. So, um, that's, that's another part of it too. Yeah, for sure. It's the tip of the week. Uh, so the tip of the week this week, I think we're going to just say, uh, the fluid therapy. So just brushing up on good fluid therapy, how to manage your patients, um, you know, asking about QSing versus just adding KCL. Um, that's the big one that we talk about QSing. Most other drugs, you're just usually adding a mig per kg dose kind of thing. So just make sure that you, you brush up on your, on your fluid therapy skills. Cause that's, that's definitely a tech slash nurse job. Right. So for sure. And we do have an episode coming up on that. I say coming up, it's going to be a while, but it's on our list. <laughs> it's definitely on our list of topics where we're going to just talk all things fluid therapy. We'll talk math. We'll talk all of it. Um, we are. it's going to be in a couple months, but oh, sorry, that's in our nursing series. It's in our nursing series. Yep. I was like, which, what are we talking about? I don't remember this. Now I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That one, that actually, that series will be kind of fun because it, um, I'm excited for that series as well. It's really kind of our, our like kind of basic vet tech and vet nurse. Well, that, and it's like my bread and butter. I love, I'm pretty sure I'm giving a lecture at ACVIM about nursing care. So, <laughs> oh, is that what you're? Nice. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Client communication and nursing care. Well, nice. two separate ones, obviously, not for the same. But <laughs> <laughs> perfect. And now for the question of the week: Have you seen a severe case of HGE where you had to do all of the above? You had to give, um, say, you had to give KMAX or you had to give plasma patient stayed in the hospital for over a week. Um, what was the outcome? Did the patient do well or did it end up developing one of these complications like DIC or sepsis or even passed away, unfortunately? Um, because it does occur and it's kind of hard as a technician because you want to think that it's a simple case of just bloody diarrhea and it's not. Um, Mm. because I know when I was in GP, I definitely didn't realize all the complications that could occur. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things where it's like, and and a lot of it falls on like just communicating with your doctor and your team as well. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. Anything else we need to talk about? No, I think that wraps up this week's episode. I hope everybody stays healthy, COVID free, (laughs) no more euthanizing of animals. Um, Well, at least personal pets, of course, let's (laughs) ease some suffering in some others. Um, of course, if anybody wants to reach out um, to us, we've been through a lot lately, so we were happy to help in any way possible. <laughs> yeah, um, and we like talking to you guys because it makes it a little bit easier to deal with. <laughs> it does. A lot of the, a lot of this stuff is a lot easier to deal with if you just talk to somebody about it. As hard as it is, like I definitely don't want to admit that I have problems, but now I just can't stop saying all the problems that I have because I started talking about it. <laughs> 
You're like, I'm going to overshare for a little while. Now. <laughs> I definitely will overshare for sure. Oh my gosh. So funny. I'm normalizing things, Yvonne. <laughs> I know. I get you. That's what we're, that's another thing we're going to talk about. It's going to be so fun. Fun. It's be great. Fun. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. Fun might not be a word for it. I mean, it'll probably be a little eye-opening, you know? It's one of those things where it's like, you know how I've talked to you about things, and I'm like, it's just eye-opening. We're like, you know what? Maybe I'm not crazy. Uh, I mean, like, aside from, like, the normal, (laughs) and, like, other people go through this, too. Yeah, and I think the biggest part of it is going to be, like, other people go through it, and you're not alone. Like, as much as it feels very disconnected right now. I feel like it's okay to be disconnected, though, too. Like oh, I'm one of there's those people times where you need to disconnect. Otherwise it's yeah. Yeah. I'm it's one of those people balance. who will like disappear and not talk to you. But then like when I'm able and like ready again, and like, I admit to myself that like, I need something, yeah. I will overshare and just go on and on and on and on about, plus it's nice to hear other people's opinions about how they deal with certain stressors. And like, it's yeah. just, uh, Good thing anyway, we're so similar, Jordan. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we understand Lord. each other. <laughs> I know, right? <sighs> Two messed up people who created a podcast together. I mean, I think it's because we were superficial and now we're like deep in the works of things and the yep. truth is coming out. <laughs> yep. Y'all just wait. You're going to learn so much about me. I'll listen like, back to it when I'm editing it and I'm like, we can't release this. <laughs> We're like, take two. Yep. <laughs> Tell me to shut we up. Got some, we got some time to prepare for this, so. Yeah, thank God. All right, guys. Yeah. So I hope everybody has a good week. Hope everybody continues to do well. And then we will talk at you guys next week. Next week. Keep getting your learn on, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.